0: Welcome to Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, Army Ranger, real estate investor, and income enthusiast. On this show, we uncover the keys to attaining financial freedom. There are so many people listening right now who are stuck in that day-to-day, nine-to-five rat race. Luckily, it's only temporary. Each week, we bring on guests that help us discover the steps to build financial freedom, passive income, and generational wealth, so we can live the life we were born to live. Money is freedom. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Wealth Science. I'm your host, Jesse Fuchsia, and today's guest is Travis Hill. Travis is an active-duty marine stationed in California. His investing journey started 25 years ago while living in Las Vegas, Nevada. After joining the Marine Corps, the Great Recession eliminated his portfolio. He started investing again in 2018 with the intent of retiring from the military, not having a W-2 job. His goal is to become financially free from cash flowing real estate. Currently, he is passively and actively investing in 125 units. He enjoys connecting others and sharing his knowledge with those looking to start their investing journey. Walt Science, I bring you Travis Hill. What's going on, brother?
1: Hey, man. How's it going, Jesse? Thanks it's for having me.
0: Super it's good, dude. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Like I said, I mean, you and I have been connected for several months now. We've been following each other's journey, dude. So I've been looking forward to this interview all week, dude, just <laughs> shooting the shit with the buddy on a Sunday morning. So this this is, this is too much fun for me. You know, for the people who may not know you like I do, Travis, I mean, if you take a couple minutes and just introduce yourself and kind of give us your background.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, Travis Hill, Activity Marine, stationed in California. Uh, This time around. And uh, I just hit 18 years in December in the Marine Corps. And I love real estate and I love investing people, investing with people and connecting people. And real estate has just really kind of opened up a whole new world of opportunities and experiences. And uh, it just so happens that I I get to make money. We get to make money doing that journey. So uh, I love it it's super fun. Um, as, and you know, live in SoCal, get to, uh, do my surf and jitsu and get up early and enjoy all that, uh, California has to offer at least as far as those two things that I like to do. And, um, yeah, life is wonderful, man.
0: Dude, That's awesome. Uh, we're recording this the day after the Niners just pull a huge upset on Lambeau field. So I, I don't know if you're a Niners or if there's, or if your buddies with a lot of guys from the Bay or whatever, but, big day in the NFL. So that's crazy. Um, dude, your story is super interesting and in where it started and where it kind of is today. So I guess where did the investing journey really start? I know it got serious in 2018, but did it start pre 2008
1: or what, what does that kind of look like? It, it did. So I followed my fiance now wife after, after college to Las Vegas, she was working for Victoria's Secret. She's a regional manager there for a time. And then a friend, a neighbor, friend of hers, was like, "Hey, you should come over and do loans." So she did her thing, got into loan office, being a loan officer, <clears throat> and was crushing it right? This is early 2000. And so she's like, Hey, you should get into this real estate thing. And, uh, her mom grew up owning apartments and different things. So she was familiar in the space. And so yeah, I have single dude. And so what I did was I'd go to a, you know, in Vegas, everything is built in communities, right? So you have phase one and they do phase releases. So I went and bought the second biggest house in phase one, lived in the main, in the master, rented out, house hacked the other bedrooms and then phase six for phase seven. Cause then whenever they do a new phase release, they increase it 10 grand or something, right? Whatever. And so I'd wait to phase six or phase seven and just refinance it pull the money out and go do it again so in the early 2000s we had six properties and i thought like i was like yeah we're done good in 30 years like these will all be cash flowing they will be brand new like that whole idea right Uh I joined the marine corps in 2003 and then by 2011 that idea that thought that dream was bashed <laughs> clubbed to death and started over We had, we ended up losing all the properties we had to short sell them all And, uh, you know, I was living, I was stationed in Cherry Point, North Carolina. And one thing we have left is a government paycheck, like scratching our heads, like, oh, crap, that really sucked. And, um, kind of took a, you know, kind of, we lived the Dave Ramsey life, beans and rice for that pretty much the next seven years and just kind of built ourselves back, you know, we've always been pretty frugal. So we never really had any, you know, we didn't have car payment. We didn't have credit card debt, but just of that sting lasted a while. And, um, yeah. In 2018, to fast forward to now. So.
0: Yeah, that's that's a crazy story. I mean, the 2008 it, it affected so many people. I mean, we're doing something similar where you're doing. I mean, taking out loans, and yeah, that's crazy. You know, looking back on that that time frame, and it, it, it stings, but it's like. I think it was good medicine because so I'm sure there were great lessons learned. I mean, what are some of those things that you've taken from that, you know, 2008-2011 time period that's now affecting present day? Like, what what major lessons learned, or or what are your thoughts to the audience? I guess on what you took away. Yeah, from that? so um,
1: I was so fascinated with the ants climbing on the bark of my tree that I didn't bother to see the forest fire raging around me. And so that experience taught me like, Hey, what is the yield? Like, it's okay to watch C-SPAN for 15 minutes, maybe once a month. Right. Or like, what, what is the inflation inflation? Cause I hadn't, I had no clue about any of those things. Right. So it really broadened my financial Aperture as far as like, no, there's these things outside of real estate affect real estate and real estate affects those things. And so, you know, like we're seeing here with inflation, right, with inflation going on and the interest rates going up, like I didn't know those things correlated. So that's a lot of the lessons that I learned. And then, too, um, it taught me that that not to be in a niche so bad, like I divide, I'm diversified now right? Like you talk about real estate investing. Well, I'm in land. I'm in private lending. I'm short-term rentals. I'm in commercial real estate. I'm in single family. I'm in, you know, single homes, but I'm in also uh, multifamily residential. So like I'm diversified in real estate, but I still use real estate as a means to accomplish my goal of
0: not having a W-2 job. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And this is probably a better question for the end, but just talking about it now and you know, talking about 08 and what we're seeing today, I mean, are you seeing massive similarities between what we're experiencing right now in Q1 2022 and what we saw in 08 and 09? And I guess what are your thoughts on where this could be heading in the next 12 to 24 months? Um, I
1: don't <clears throat> I don't personally. Um my ability, like what they want as far as the You know, your documents, like back then, uh, you could, you know, you could seriously just breathe in the the, the amount of paperwork they have you do now compared to then, way less. You know, I have to do a lot more paperwork. We have to do a lot more paperwork now than we did 20 years ago, you know, 15, 18 years ago.
0: You know, when I'm talking to so many passive investors on a, a daily basis who are looking to invest, and they're like, Jesse, I'm worried right now about the housing bubble. I always bring that aspect up. And I wasn't investing in real estate in OE, but I think it's super powerful that you were and other people were because there were so many lessons learned from it. But I think there were systematic problems. Like the system itself was broken where people were getting, you know, million-dollar loans that were working at McDonald's or something like that, or on a minimum yeah. wage. So it's... Yeah, that's incredible, and I've always loved picking people's brains. Yeah, and thoughts. you look at the amount of like,
1: um, you look at the amount of loans that were sold, right? Like, you, I think out of the loans that I have now, like one has been sold. I think a lot of people just kicked those loans down the down the road so many times that they just inflated them and kept them on going. And and uh, I feel bad for everybody who's like, oh my gosh, 2019, COVID, the world's gonna go to crap. Just yeah. hold your money, hold your money, and yeah. Just here in Southern California, like man, I would love, love to be able to use a VA loan here in San Clemente, but no number works. None. Yeah. And um, you know, the VA loan and opportunities that, mil- that military active duty and veterans have to be able to house hack their way to financial freedom. Oh my gosh, man. You if I had it up to do over again yeah. 20 years ago when I were, yeah, 18 when I joined the Marine Corps. I would have been all up about the the VA loan and found a duplex, a triplex, a quad in every duty station. Yeah. Um, great story. There's a story, Sergeant young Sergeant on the depot down in San Diego doing his drill instructor duty (coughs) uses a VA loan, finds a quadplex. He cash flows a hundred dollars a month out of the the, quad flex His DTI. I think it's like 58% qualifies for the VA loan because you know, you can use the rent from the other units up to 75%. And he cash flows a hundred bucks, and he's a millionaire at twenty-four because he has a quadplex that he qualified for. That's brilliant. It's yeah. It's an amazing opportunity that nobody, it, not enough military members, are taking advantage of. And it's super sad.
0: Yeah, dude, that's so powerful. And I tell, I, I'm having so many conversations because I'm getting ready to move to JBLM in the Pacific Northwest, where just south of Seattle, it's super expensive right now. And I've got other people reaching out, they're like. Jesse, the real estate is so expensive. I'm like, dude, if you just use your VA loan and you're just paying down equity on a six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollar triplex or quadplex, whatever, dude, you guys own an equity in an eight hundred thousand dollar asset at, in your 20s, which is insane. People don't understand the power and leverage of that. So that's I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up and told that story. It is super powerful. Um, you know, transitioning now to like the 2018 when you got back on the saddle, Travis. I guess what was kind of that motivating factor of like you know 2018 or what was the catalyst i guess of being like hey i gotta get back in this and and give this another go uh yeah i just i realized, i just read
1: the book start with why right mm-hmm. and uh like what was my why what was what was the why that i wanted to uh exist in this life i realized that i knew i wasn't going to triple dip the government. I wasn't gonna retire from the Marine Corps and then get a contractor job and then get a GS job and then wait till I'm 65. And then like, yes, I can finally get my triple dip and finally, no, screw that, screw that. I'm not gonna be a company man. I definitely don't wanna retire from Marine Corps and go work for a corporate job. Like, hey, can you be our military liaison person to get us government? No, man, I, I don't like the clog now. I dang sure don't wanna mess with the clog when I'm retired. And so I just figured, you know, like what was my why? What was driving me to not want to have to work? And the real estate was added again. I mean, yeah, sure. My portfolio's got securities, it's got stocks I invest in my TSP, right? Like the thrift savings plan, like that's a thing, but that's not the driver. That's all just extra gravy. You know, when I retire and I get a disability check and I get my pension, like that's all gravy. Like I don't want to touch that. You know, that's my goal because imagine the optionality that I have because of real estate that I can go and do like, uh, you know, go six months to a church mission or I can go see my kids in high school. They can go and I can take them on a trip for 30 days, like whatever it is that I choose to do, giving back to the community at the the length and impact that I want. And that's freedom, absolute freedom. And I'm better in the community around me because I want to be there. I'm trying to provide an impact, a positive one in whatever aspects that I get
0: to choose. I think that's that's living. Yeah, dude. It's it's so much bigger than just the bottom line of making money. I love when you bring up like freedom and debt. You stop trading time for money. It's like I know you're a huge family man. I mean, I'm, I just got married this past year. My wife and I are looking forward to starting a family here in the next, you know, year, two years, whatever, dude. And it's like I want to be the dad that never misses, you know, a game. Like that's my goal. And like real estate is the vehicle that can make that happen. Of uh, you know, stop trading time for money. I, I love that book too. I think it's by Simon Sinek. Start with why. It's super powerful. So um, looking at 2018, dude. I mean, what was that first deal? I guess getting back on the saddle. What did look like was it a duplex triplex or was it a passive investment or what does
1: uh what did that look like yeah so i found um dave parade from military to millionaire nice. and he introduced me to stu grazier and then they created the war room which is the you know the offshoot mastermind group of for military to millionaire met Stu, and he was creating storehouse 310 which is a turkey company in milwaukee wisconsin And uh, he's like, hey, you want to get put on the list? I'm like, yes, I do want to get put on the list. And, you know, they're churning and burning through homes and doing the whole thing. And so the first house I bought in 2018 was Stu and Storehouse. And then like, hey, put me back on the list and put me back on the list. And so that one became three. And then three became commercial, and then commercial became land, and land became short-term rental, and short-term rental became commercial fiveplex. And you know, here we are. Um, then we get into syndications, and then we're into uh, private lending. So it's just it's just continues to open up the door. And then that brought in connections and being able now, you know, been able to raise money for other people, or at least bring other people to syndications so that they can invest and have a return, like. It's just super fun, man.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. And I think the power of the mastermind is so incredible and being around like minded people. You know, when you look at how you've been able to scale here over the past, you know, two, three, four years since 2018, I think you've accomplished so much. And I think a lot is owed to that. Um, what are some of the biggest, I guess, things that you think have been the catalyst to get you from where you were in 2018 to today? I mean, you've mentioned the mastermind networking. I mean, any mentorship programs or I guess meetups or, or what else are you doing kind of to close that knowledge gap and expedite the process?
1: Yeah. Uh first off, I just educated myself. I listen to podcasts, right? I work out listen to a podcast. Um real estate finance um sales personal development leadership like whatever you know whatever it is that f- pick my fancy uh read lots of books right um read rich dad poor dad many years ago um learned about the cash flow quadrant rich man and babylon you know your traction miracle morning like there's so many different books that they're out there that can improve your life to make you want to fail forward better and then once that kind once that foundation was created then it was all network like I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for networking because your network is your net worth is, is it's so cliche, but it is so powerful because you do end up thinking like the five people you're surrounded with, right? Like we have, I have a real estate meetup last night and I've been doing it for the last seven months and it's in my community. I live in, in a, uh, company in field grade base housing off base here at Camp Pendleton or in California, San Clemente. And, uh, 140 people saw the invite on the Facebook page, and I put it on my Instagram page, and five people show up. And I'm like, man. And so that opportunity turns into my kids, right? Because now my kids and our vision board back behind me. And when I see my 10 year old doing this, looking at the cash flow quadrant, like, all right, dad, so. And then we have a 20 minute conversation about the cash flow quadrant and how he doesn't want to trade time for money. And he wants to understand businesses and investing. And then my fifth, my 16 year old this year talks about how she wants to buy a multifamily property. So her friends can live there and that she can rent it out. And then my 13 year old who wants to own a bakery is like, dad, I had, my money's just sitting in a, in a jar. Can I invest it with you in this property or whatever? You know, so there's conversations that happen and, um, there's a greater sense of what's out there instead of, Hey man, game, still go to college, like still get your degree, like still obtain education. Awesome. Yes. Do that. But there's this whole other thing here that you can have the opportunity to. And if you can beat me by 20 years and start in your twenties, like I did, it'd be it'd end up being smarter decisions and being more educated.
0: Whew, man, That's awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. And I've got a buddy who just syndicated an apartment building and he teaches children. I mean, having these conversations, just like you're having, he, uh, one of his son, he's like six years old, saved up like $10 in allowance. And, you know, he offered his son, he's like, Hey, invest in this apartment building with me, you know, give me your $10 and now I'll pay you a dollar a week, uh, while, you know, for doing nothing. And he teaches his son about passive income, how you can make money in your sleep the difference between active and passive income. And his son was like, dad, what do I need to do for like this dollar? He's like, no, dude, you, you don't do anything. It's just, you You wake yeah. up every day. It's passive income. So that's super powerful. Um, it's incredible. You're having these conversations because to be honest, I grew up in a family where like, we never talked about money or anything like that. So, but I want to be the dad that does have like those conversations. Um, so I think that's super powerful and building, you know, children's financial literacy at a young age is, is just incredible. Um, yeah. When looking, uh, you know, back over the last few years, I mean, I get asked this all the time. I'm interested in your perspective too. People who ask, like Travis, should I start residential? Should I start commercial? You know, Whitney Sewell tells everybody you don't have to start small. You can start big. I guess, what's your perspective on this for someone out there who's looking to get into real estate game? Should they start with that, you know, triplex, quadplex, duplex, or is there the opportunity, you know, through the right networking, aligning with the right people, to go big first? What's your perspective on that?
1: my perspective on what, how you want to start out real estate all comes down to your risk. What are you comfortable with and what a level of involvement are you comfortable doing? Right. Because you've people that like, listen to the naysayers, right? Like I was listening to this podcast, uh, listening to something the other day. It's like, if you've never been to Disney world, don't ask somebody, if you want to go to Disney world, don't ask somebody who's never been to Disney world, how it was, but we do that all the time. Yeah. Right. Like, Oh, I, my uncle's brother, twice removed cousin invested in real estate once and it didn't work out for him. Oh, why? Because oh, he, he had a trailer, he had one trailer that didn't work out or he had one house. Well, if having a house and having to deal with managing the property manager or trying to manage it, if that freaks you out, do a syndication, like start there. If that is way too boring for you, go do a, a small duplex, right? I agree that it's, whether it's two doors or 300 doors, the amount of the, the math to do it is the same. Are there more steps in the math? Are there more repeated steps in the math? Yes. Are the, are the steps the same? Yes, they're exactly the same. Um, but I think that every single person that I talk to, it's like, what level of risk do you like? Are you super aggressive? Or do you wanna sit there and be like, dude, you take care of, manage the manager, the property manager, stressing out about the roof or your insurance, or you just wanna be like, hey, here's my money. I like my ACH transaction. That's all. Let's keep doing that.
0: Yeah, I think risk is a a huge part of it. And like you said, you want to be active or passive. It's crazy whenever, you know, I talk to a lot of investors and they're like, Jesse, I'd love to invest in real estate, but I don't have the time to uh, own and operate, or I don't want to deal with the tenants. I'm not fixing toilets at two o'clock in the morning. So many people don't understand that you can passively invest in real estate and do exactly what you said. You know, here's my capital. Um, I'm looking, whatever, and deal with these types of returns and here's my, you know, wire ACH information. Just, you know, hit my mailbox with a check every month. So I, I right. agree with you. I think risk is, is super, super powerful. Um, I want to get your perspective as well. I didn't even know you were doing land deals and stuff like that. You know, for the audience, you might not know a whole lot about that. Can you just briefly describe, I guess, the business model behind what you do and I guess how you do it with the land deals? oh yeah
1: mine's super mine's pretty passive um i'm just an equity partner so oh, okay. i get a check every month after giving giving uh the guy that we invest with and uh he's a family friend and so it started off with um five acres and it went to 12 and then it went to 110 in the harkway valley there Harqua hala valley in arizona so it's very passive um we just got water rights to that 112 acres so now we're kind of you know what do we do with it do we sell it? Do we keep it? Do we lease it? Um, do we just sell the water and keep the land? Like all of that stuff is kind of up there, but that is kind of a very passive thing too. Um, going back to up uh, to your question too about, you know, what big, small, many doors, little doors you have, you know, if you create relationships and you network and you, and you create those relationships, private lending is also available, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Alexander, she has a fantastic Facebook group that's all about private lending and how that works and be your state and how to own and understand those things and work with lawyers to get that state specific and um, how to private lend. And that's another way that you can have have ownership in a property. And you obviously don't want it to ever default, but you have ownership in a physical thing that gives you a return that is backed by that property in the event that all hell, all heck goes down. You now own a physical property at a huge discount typically. Because it's usually a flipper that's trying to use that money to make a property, you know, flip that property. So there's another aspect of it that a lot of people um, don't know about and they're com- not very comfortable, but that is a very relationship based ac- action in the real estate world.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. We've had um, another gentleman on here, Edwin Epperson, who got started doing. Uh Private lending, it is super powerful, a great, another phenomenal passive way to get phenomenal above average returns on your money. If you're just looking to get, you know, whatever, 10, 12, 15% plus on your money, it's it's a super great way. Um, I was interested too in how you kind of got into the short term rental game and what does that, I guess, look like in your portfolio? I mean, is this one property? Is it two properties? Or how did you get into it? And I guess, what does it kind of look like within your whole
1: portfolio? Yeah, so it's just a short term rental in, in Florida. It's, um, I'm basically private lending on it for a one year note, and um, just hooked up with with some guys that I've known for a while, and they're just looking for capital to, to get it rent ready and everything else. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll be happy to help. So it's more of a private lending slash syndication, but my name's on the like, my name's on uh, have some type of ownership, so I'm claiming that I got it. So it's uh, it's super fun. It's short term renting is you know, boutique rentals or yeah. people are converting hotels into short term rentals. Like it's a very interesting game that, uh, I hope does, I, I don't know. It's, it's very 50 50, right? Like neighborhoods should be neighborhoods neighborhoods can't be neighborhoods. If you've got all these crazy people coming in for the weekends or staying for two or three days in the military life, we're totally used to it because everybody rotates every three years anyway. So we li- we live, we live an extended term rental life yeah. while we're in the military. Uh, but, you know, there's a need for it, there's a niche, you know, between the traveling nurses, you've got uh, insurance families, you know, or insurance people staying in short term. Like there's, that's, a, there's an existing need for that. And of course, Airbnb and BRBO and those types of or, um, systems and websites and, and companies have really created a greater attention to that. But, you know, it's probably been around for much longer, just technology and, and um, has accelerated that the
0: um the acknowledgement or like the the action that space. Yeah, it's it's really interesting and I want to get your, you know, ideas on it because especially in Florida. And I didn't know this was in Florida. You know, I hear so many so much about like counties outlawing Airbnb and like because the hotels are Basically, the hotels are backed or the hotels back the politicians. They're like, hey, we want people coming here and we want John Smith staying at the hotel. We don't want him and his family staying at Travis Hill's Airbnb and undercutting us. Um, so it's a huge... I know I've got a couple of buddies doing it in New Orleans right now that are like, they're starting to outlaw in zip codes within New Orleans because people are going down there doing exactly what you're doing they're burning the town for the weekend and people who actually live there 12 months a year getting pissed off and complaining to like a municipality and stuff like that. So I think that would be interesting to see where that heads here within the next 12 or 24 months, because yeah, I mean, people, I think the hotels are like, Hey, we need people spending their money with us. We don't need them spending, you know, with people like you and I, but it is such a great way to uh, rent out a room or, you know, a house or whatever, make a great return. So I think that's awesome. Um, but yeah, yeah. I was interested in that. So well, I um, think it's really
1: interesting in the short term too, that you have to if you can create an experience, right? Yeah. Um, when we were stationed in Okinawa, we went to uh Tokyo Disney. And I think the Japanese are fantastic at creating an experience, right? Like Americans, we want a we want a scary ride, and a little bit like uh, the experience, like the, the ambiance is being the experience, right? Like I, like, wow, okay, that's cool, but this, the ride's amazing. Where in Japan, the ride's like, eh, but the ambiance and the atmosphere is pretty amazing. And I think that short-term rental can be successful when you create that experience for somebody, right? Like, that's not, not like a themed room, but, you know, like, um, for example, my niece, she trains horses, rides horses. I'm like, how cool would it be if you could take a horse, or sorry, you could take a house rent out the house and then their two-day excursion or three-day excursion is you teaching somebody how to ride, like that's an experience that someone will pay a premium for over and over again across the US who has like only seen horses on TV, right? Like has never physically touched one or maybe wants to ride one, like whatever the case may be, like that's an experience that a hotel can't duplicate, right? So there's room, everybody gets a piece. There's, it can totally be a thing. If you just have to be willing to see how you can maximize whatever that is that you're trying to do in the short-term rental space.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, and I think we're living in this world too of like tiny homes and what's going on with that. I've got a buddy out in Arizona who bought a ten thousand dollar parcel of land, put like a hundred thousand dollar tiny home on it, and now rents it. I mean, four or five hundred dollars a night, two hundred days a year. Um, it's insane. So, but again, like that tiny home, it's a total Instagram experience. People are taking pictures of it. You know, it, it's. It's the ambiance, it's the experience, it's everything you're talking about. So I completely agree. It's where hospitality is going, I think, over the next few years is something It's going to be really intriguing to watch how it develops, especially in like, the post-pandemic world. Um, yes. but, yeah. As we get ready to kind of wrap up, you know, I love talking like mindset stuff, Travis, and I'm... Really curious on, you know, what your thoughts on like an abundant mindset versus maybe a closed mindset, or, or what are some things, I guess, you know, you mentioned the vision board behind you back there. What are some of the things that you do on a daily basis or a weekly basis to set the right mindset for success?
1: Oh yeah. So I have my morning, I get up at 4:30 every morning, right? I say my prayers, I eat my vitamins, uh, I rip my shirt off right? in true <laughs> mania fashion. That hates me for all of us older folks. Um, but it, it's a daily decision. Uh, I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer in 2019. And so I've been, uh, going through that and I'm in surveillance now and, and is going fantastic. And of course that helps accelerate your, uh, your aperture of the world and where you are and where you're, you're, where you stand in it. But mindset is huge. Um, I was grateful for the experience of going through stage three cancer and, the chemo and radiation and all the other stuff, right? And, and it's very easy to dig your negativity hole with an excavator instead of a shovel. It's so easy to lay in bed and say, woe is me. And, and from the beginning, when I, after my diagnosis, I would, I had, everybody has time to reflect, right? And then that's your opportunity to decide, hey, what am I gonna do today? Because like in boot camp, you live chow to chow, Sunday to Sunday, right? Like, oh, when I graduate, screw graduating. Your goal is to make it to chow, to lunch or to dinner or to breakfast, whatever that is, right? And that's the same way you look at like um, mindset is looking at when we shoot a rifle and you look at your front sight post, right? You don't look at your freaking rear sight. You don't look at the target. You look at your front sight post because why? That's you're going to hit the target. You're going to hit black every time. And if I'm focused on the what happened in the past, and like this freaking sucks, the cancer did this or oh my gosh, then I'm not moving forward. I'm moving forward slowly. Like I'm moving through the mire horribly. I'm still not giving my opportunity to heal. But if I'm only starting at my target, my goal, my target, then I'm shooting everywhere and I'm not focused on what that is. So my front sight allows me to be like, hey, I'm hitting black because I can see the immediate short-term goals in front of me and that's freaking awesome. And so it was just a daily decision, like what dog am I gonna feed? Am I gonna feed the good dog or am I gonna feed the bad dog? And then um, that good dog, has get gets to eat or beat up that bad dog that's full of imposter syndrome and full of negativity and you know tells you that you're not good enough. And that's mindset. Um really good story that helps that helps iterate that my son surfs competitively here in Southern California and we were a Pismo beach surfing and he did not do well. And so we're driving home and I'm like, hey buddy, like, you know, what do you think was the issue with your contest and your results and how you performed. And he's like, I don't know, dad, I get in my head. And it's just like really messes me up. And so we were talking about how this six inches, right? Like that's your, that's your world. You control that. The coach doesn't control that. Like you have to make that commitment. And he goes, silencio Bruno. I'm like, what? And as soon as, when, when you start having kids, you'll get Disney plus and you'll start watching Frozen and all the other fun and Marvel movies that's slightly great, right? Well, in Disney plus, there's this movie called Luca. And it's about a mermaid kid who ends up going on land and experiencing his The movies about his experiences. Well, he meets another kid that's a mermaid kid and he, as they're going through and they have a problem, they say silencio Bruno. And so he was able to tie the mental shortcomings or like his mental roadblocks to silencio Bruno. And it was really powerful to be like how he connected imposter syndrome to his own, like getting in his head and jacking him up to, oh, that's Silencio Bruno. I need to silence Bruno. So now whenever we get ready to go surf, I'm like, hey, what are you going to focus on? Dad I'm going to focus on my bottom turn. I'm going to make sure that my top turn is really good. And then I'm like, what happens in a contest when you like start thinking that all these people are putting pressure on you or that starts creeping in? He's like Silencio Bruno. So it was a pretty amazing opportunity. And that's, that's mindset one-on-one, right? Like what is your Bruno and how are you going to silence it?
0: Yeah, I mean it's incredible, and this is just like making me so fired up to be a dad because I can't wait for these experiences, <laughs> and I'm super. I th- I take that title super serious. I mean, I grew up in a great family where I had an awesome father too, and and yeah, just hearing about what you and your son are sharing, it's like man, it's going to be me, you know, here in the next few years or whatever, five, ten years from now, I'll be so fired up. So, but I mean, your point about you know going through chemo and stuff like that, it's yeah, it puts. I mean, thank God I've never been through it, but. I, I would say it probably puts everything in perspective that, you know, tying this finite, the pe- time with the people we love is finite. And, you know, tying this all together, you know, building that passive income to spend more time with the people we love, um, allows us to, you know, do the experiences and, and just be with the people, you know, that we care about because we're only here for a limited time. And yeah, I mean, that's an incredible perspective and I appreciate you sharing that. So, um. Amen yeah i i got one last thing for you travis if you don't mind okay. just answer one last question um, yeah if you could solve any problem in the world what would it be and why
1: if i could solve any problem in the world what would it be and why i'm just gonna repeat that for the next minute that way i don't have to answer that uh, <laughs> <laughs> gee that's a great question man solid question if i could
0: solve anything in the world what would it be and why um i would solve Shoot. Does everybody
1: does everybody get stumped by that question? I should I'm gonna be honest, guys.
0: People usually got something up there if it's they really, like, yeah, if it's like I don't it could be macro level, it could be poverty or something like that. If dudes that yeah. like deployed it see like awful poverty throughout the world. I mean, what what do you do with your church and like all the work that you've helped them do or, or your mission work or uh yeah, I, I would solve
1: I would solve the, uh, if I had the power to solve it, I would solve the power of negativity Yeah, like that. I would solve that hundred percent, like having four kids, right? Three, two of them teenagers. My youngest is now 10, so I don't have any single digit kids. So I think that like qualifies me for something. I don't know what it's something that yeah. Just the fact that teaching, I'm surrounded by 18, 18 to 25 year old kids. Marines every day. Right. And they're transitioning into life first time on their own first time away, like all of these things. And the, and the amount of like resiliency and failing forward, like, man, I guess I would say resiliency. Like I would love to be able to focus on resiliency and be like, Hey, dude, like person you can are better. Right. That, that dog, that that imposter syndrome that is so alive and well, and all of this that we listen to so much, right. That fear, that false evidence appearing real, I would, I would cure that. Because my kids remind me that they are not Marines. But when I deal every day with 18, 25-year-olds to deal with self-worth, to deal with critical thinking, to deal with resiliency, to deal with like, it's okay to fail because that's how you learn. And this entire world is built on failing forward. If I'm teaching that to my, this year, they will be 16, 14, 12, and 10. They can figure that out now. They're going to be light years ahead. They're going to be better community involved. The community is going to be better. They're going to be better. And everybody's going to be lifting each other because like, oh, hey, like it's okay. Like you can do better. Yeah, we can't. All right. I suck today. That's okay. You have tomorrow, right? Like it's all great graph that I saw um, that somebody posted on social media. It had a graph and it had days and it was like this up and down, up and down. Then it had weeks. It was a little bit less. Then it was like years and it was almost a straight line. Then it said decade. It was a straight line. And I'm like, man, that is so powerful, right? Because we live, we live so much for hating what we were instead of loving what we're trying to be. And the more that we love what we're trying to be, instead of hating what we were, everybody gets better. Everybody does.
0: Dude, I I love that. And I'm going to check this graph out or I'll Google it or something. I can totally relate to that. Dude, so many people look at this journey as a sprint and they're like, you know, looking back on the week, man, we had three LOIs fall through, man, I got. You know, all these bad things happened at work. But dude, if you just look at the macro level of how much you've accomplished this year or this month, like there's no doubt in my mind that you've made dividends and gained. But those are the people that quit in my mind. It's the people who can't see this as a marathon and they see it as a sprint, and they they look at the surface results and they're like. Oh man, this sucks. It's not working. They go back into that negativity, imposter syndrome, instead of looking at it from, you know, 40,000 foot level. And it's like, no, I actually did do a lot this year and I crushed yeah. a lot of goals, dude. So, dude, I appreciate that. That was an awesome response. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, Travis, <laughs> dude, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on, dude, and, and sharing. And like I said, I think your story is just super relatable and going to help so many people out there, you know, people who want to follow up after the show, maybe it's not even real estate related. Maybe there's someone out there listening who's going through, you know, that chemotherapy and and needs someone to talk to who's been through it too. I mean, how can people follow up with you after the show, Travis? I mean, what platforms are you on and and how can people connect
1: with you? Right now I'm only on Instagram working on my website, Travis Hill, thirteen ten. happy to reach out. And uh, yeah, there's uh, I'll tell you the, the chemo cancer world has been. Now that I'm on the now that I'm on the other side of the tunnel, helping I've been able to talk to three or four other service members that have been diagnosed with various stages, but it is it is truly powerful. Like, yep, it sucks. It's here. You're okay. It's going to move forward. And just that chow to chow Sunday to Sunday mentality, um, that's it's power. You can use it. Reflect on it. And yeah, happy to. I love helping others. You know, your my my mantra as far as our business goes, as your success is my happiness. So and I truly believe that and that's something that I want to continue to push and, and uh, provide that benefit and that abundant mindset for others because the world's a great place, man
0: dude, I, I can't agree more. And like I said, a privilege to have you on and Chad and just shoot the shit for 45 minutes with a dude who, uh, you know, I'll be in those shoes here in the next few years. So it was exciting to you. Thanks again for coming on. Like I said, your story is super relatable and it's going to help a lot of people out there. So thanks again. I appreciate it, brother.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Appreciate it for being
0: here. Hey, thanks again for listening to the wealth science podcast. Take some time to subscribe and leave us a review. It really is the basis that helps us continue to bring on amazing guests each week. We have another incredible story to share next week, and I'm certain it's going to add value to this community. Please do not hesitate to reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey of attaining financial freedom. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.